a new paradigm in soil science. Do you remember why the Biosphere 2 project failed? I was just a kid at the time, so I wasn't really paying attention. But recently I learned what actually happened. And it's related to that New York Times article titled, Too Rich a Soil. Scientists find the flaw that undid the biosphere, which was published in 1993 when I was 11. At that time, folks were just beginning to use compost more widely, and we really didn't understand soil at all yet. And as Dr. Elaine Ingham has relayed in interviews for my courses, we still weren't sure why sometimes compost helped and sometimes it hurt or even killed our plants in the 90s. There were no real methods or protocols at that point, so it's understandable that the biosphere people might get things mixed up. What happened was the soil was releasing CO2 and binding up all the available O2, the oxygen, in the atmosphere of the, of the habitat. The soils were being oxidized. In fact, the concrete was, quote, dripping with CO2. And the scientists were suffering from oxygen deprivation and high CO2 levels. They blamed bacteria and never considered using EM to correct things or growing algae or kelp to release more CO2 at 10 times the rate of land plants or the role fungi could have played. Likely the plants themselves were stressed by being planted in the soils amended with bacterially dominant compost nor tailored to those plants' native biomes. So those plants released OH negative, which oxidized the soils even further and gassed off more CO2 and other nutrients, while even more nutrients still became locked up as oxidants, further stressing the plant and making it difficult for them to photosynthesize properly. Today, University of Arizona owns that space, and it is still used to grow plants indoors, but not to support humans sealed into it. This is a sad but insightful example of what could very well happen to us all if we don't take care of our soils and provide pathways for carbon sequestration. We could suffocate. We could die out. And not too long after that, nature will recover and keep going. The plants are just going to keep going and you know the, the animal side of things will, will, will recuperate as it will and evolve, but not us. That's the thing. In all my studies, all the books and all the interviews, one thing has been clear. Our health, our futures are inextricably linked to the soil, our environment, and the basic fundamental cycles that create our atmosphere. If the earth is sick, we are sick. It is our only life support system. The world's oxygen levels are in decline. The oceans or aquatic photosynthesis accounts for 50 to even 90% of our global oxygen supply are dying. The dead zones are increasing along our coasts where 80 to 90% of ocean life is found and where new life in the ocean is primarily nurtured. Acidification, pollution, and eutrophication are key drivers to this trend. Every time CO2 is formed, it's eating up O2, oxygen. 
So combustion, fossil fuel burning, breathing, and all decomposition release CO2. Even little baby yeasts release CO2. Decomposition and fungi are mainly responsible for the bulk of CO2 release. And we need a lot of it to feed our plants. We need that carbon dioxide. But if we lack the plants in photosynthesizing microbiology, the CO2 gets bottled up in the atmosphere and oceans. In the oceans, excess CO2 acidifies the water, which prefers to be alkaline. And as we oxidize our soils on land, we're alkalinizing them. So we've pushed them both in the wrong direction. Oceans want to be alkaline and soils trend towards acidic in secession. And because plants deposit carbon in the soil via photosynthesis, every season that we till, we oxidize, make alkaline, and release and undo the sequestration work, which is bringing down carbon. On top of that, the chemical salt fertilizers and biocides industrial ag has been using oxidizes the soil. Without the biology and without the proper pH EH levels, plants can't do much other than send out stress signals to pests and, and to join in the destruction of the soils. It's an incredibly worrisome picture if we continue the way that we are. The entire world has become oxidized on the macro scale. It's called desertification and it is common, global, increasing annually and could undo us all. Luckily, we have the regenerative science and solutions. There is a path out of this pit that we've dug for ourselves. Soil is the key. We can trap the carbon. We can hold the water on the land. We can bring back the photosynthesizers, the kelp, the algae, the forest, the grasslands. We can produce the oxygen. The eutrophication can become fertilizer again, but this time regenerative. We can clean up the rivers, the lakes, the streams, the deltas and riparian areas. And we can have increasingly better food every season, leading to improved human and animal health over time. But who am I? You know, how did I arrive at these conclusions? And where do you fit into all this? Well, I'm Matt Powers, a best-selling author, educator, entrepreneur, speaker, seed saver, permaculture gardener, and family guy. And once upon a time, I had no interest in soil. I only got interested in gardening after my wife got cancer, lost her thyroid, and felt like her body was no longer hers, but a suit she was wearing around. We were trying to do the Gerson therapy, doing the juicing, going all organic, and I just couldn't afford it, you know. I was running around like a chicken with its head cut off. I was stressed and frazzled, trying to make these eight juices a day, do the coffee enemas, and not even being able to afford all the supplements for my wife to do all these things. Um, my wife even asked me to stop helping her at almost the two-year marker because I was no longer helping because I was so stressed out that it was stressing her out. Reflecting on that experience, I realized I needed to grow way more food and I began to explore permaculture. And it changed everything. But it didn't give me the exact metrics for health. It gave me the way to connect everything, to see the world micro to macro. And I wouldn't be here today without that gift that permaculture has given me. But 
I needed the details. I needed to know the how and the why behind all these things. I needed to know, you know, how health tied deeply into these things so that I could leverage that understanding and make myself, our food, our soil, and my whole family healthier than we've ever been so that we can get past the cancer ever returning. Early in our marriage, I was a professional musician in New York City, but I quit and left the East Coast after my wife's first two bouts with cancer. But the cancer kept it up. My kids began to grow up and I saw that I had to make a change. I became a teacher, I became an author, and I began to create the first online K-12 curriculum for permaculture, and then the first government-accredited permaculture curriculum for high schoolers in North America, specifically for triple elective credit in British Columbia, Canada. We're working on Washington State next, but I still had questions. Things were still not perfectly making sense. And I still didn't have the answers that I needed to see the connections between plants, soil, and our own health. I'd learned to make compost, to make rich, dark soils. And I was taught one-on-one -on -one by Dr. Elaine Ingham for years, you know, behind the scenes, my books. And I've talked and interviewed dozens of doctors, often on the record, talking about cancer and diet and health and soil and gardening and permaculture. And I've sought out the opposite side of what I've learned, the contradictions, to find out the why behind these things, um, to, to know why like, these people disagree. I needed to know why and the how, because I'm on a mission to figure this out. I interviewed Dr. David Montgomery, Dr. Gerald Pollock, Dr. James White, Dr. Olivier Husson, Dr. Rattan Law, and so many more to get at the edges and illuminate the darkened corners. I've read everything I could for free on the internet and on every topic I could related to soil. And I've weeded through a lot of junk and encountered a lot of things that were too difficult for me to understand initially. That's changed over time and continuously changing for me. I subscribed to and then read everything nature had published on soil for as far back as the records go. I bought every book I could recommended by the experts and drilled down into them looking for the connections between them all. The fact is, we know more about interstellar space than we do about soil, and we are destroying it at such a rapid pace. It's, you know, it's predicted that we have only 50 or 55 years left, only 55 harvests left of, uh, of soil. And it doesn't take a genius to do the basic equation we are in. Our culture has long been based around burning things. And, but we've never lost this much of Earth's photosynthetic capacity. It's what absorbs and catches all that CO2 and allows us to burn again. This is why folks say wood biomass is a renewable resource. It is if we have a balance. The fact is, stressed plants cannot sequester carbon for long-term storage. Tilled soil cannot hold its carbon or its life, the biology. And the dying oceans are being killed by eutrophication, pollution, and soil runoff. We need to bring back the plants, soils, and rebalance the coastlines. Healthy soil is at the heart of this all. We need soils that are resilient to stresses, 
We need soils that will improve every season from now on, sequestering more carbon, increasing in biology while generating better and better foods all at the same time. And I'm here to tell you that it is possible. It's even already happening on some farms right now. It's regenerative soil, and we all can participate in creating, stewarding, and spreading regenerative soils. So what have we learned? What is different now? Let's get into this, all right? <laughs> pH, what is it? What is pH? The power of hydrogen. It's a logarithmic scale. It measures H, hydrogen. In the soil, these are protons, which is the acidic side. These are hydroxides. This is the alkaline side, OH negative. And these are very particular in their effect on the environment and the plants themselves. It's affected by the quality of the soil and the photosynthesis and more. All right, let's dive into the hydrogen cycle because this is, this is like the root. This is the, the seat where this all is happening because water contains hydrogen, H2O, because plants perform hydrolysis, which splits water, and because moist areas support more plant life and soil biology, it all adds up to more acidity. So water is directly related to pH. And at the root level, that's where all of pH is playing out. Like you can see it all. The soil, you know, in the soil profile, the roots are releasing either hydroxides or they're releasing protons. That is pH. <laughs> As we've desertified the planet's soils though, we've shifted things alkaline and oxidize, which brings us to redox. Did you know that pH is one leg of an XY graph with EH, soil redox, as the other leg? Yeah, I was shocked and then immediately began to see more and more connections flowing from this very deep insight into our reality. pH is directly related to the reduction and oxidation potentials of our soil. And this matters greatly because this determines the actual availability of nutrients and elements in the soil. These are the pH-EH charts, the corrosion charts or porbase charts. They've been around in lab chemistry for a while now, but they use purified elements. And our world is a complicated world outside the lab, setting where things are balanced in perfect mole equations and look great on paper. The world is messy, but those trends do hold and tell us so much more about the world than just pH, which changes every micrometer to micrometer in healthy soil. This is what folks are rediscovering and now applying to gain new insight into our soils. All right, so for example, if your soils are oxidized and alkaline, they are dry and lacking in nutrients and organic matter. While if your soils are extremely acidic and reduced, you will have constant moisture and extremely high organic matter levels, like a peat bog. There are a few exceptions in this great diverse world, like sandy acidic soil. And this is because biology and soil mineral chemistry each play their own part in the pH-EH state. Microbes have the most influence though, so keep that in mind. But for the most part, these are the actual trends and we can see them with our own eyes and verify by touching and examining the soil ourselves. 
Basic testing like jar soil testing can tell us incredible amounts of information too. But again, we can see if our soils are dark with organic matter or if they're sandy. In between the extremes where soils are too dry and aren't too wet, we have a regular swing of pH and EH throughout the day, the season, and the succession process over time. And it's even wilder than that. You already know which plants are the reduced and lower in EH ones. They are the ones high in antioxidants. Wild, right? It's been staring us in the face this entire time. Caveat, I am not a nutritionist or a medical doctor, but we all have seen or can easily Google the books, doctors, studies, research, and so on, talking about superfoods, antioxidants, the anthocyanin blush on my favorite tomatoes, the blue and blueberries, and maybe you've even seen the studies connecting oxidative stress to cancer, initiation and progression. Because as we are learning, oxidative stress leads to inflammation, which itself has been deemed the root of all disease. And this all kind of makes sense since most of the reactions inside our body and inside plants are redox reactions, not pH acidic basic reactions. If we disrupt the relationships of, the, of most of the reactions in our body, it makes sense that we would get or be sick. In direct correlation, our world is losing the energy from its soils, from its plants, from its foods. The world's peoples are eating foods with less and less nutrients because our soils are lacking the biology and nutrients they once had. The microbiome of the world is depleted. Our health and our world's health are one complete circle of life. It's as poetic as it is scientific. Now that we can see the connections, we all can see the need our foods and soils have to be full of energy. They need to be reduced in redox terms and increased in volume, coherence, and status in our cultures. It is truly the linchpin and should be honored as such. Let's take another look at photosynthesis in the bigger picture. Plants are soil reducers. Though we have some exceptions and stress plants release hydroxide. In other words, plants conduct electrons into the soil. They're bringing energy from the sun through photosynthesis down into the earth as potential energy. The more potential energy, the healthier are soils, plants, and animals. Though there are limits to all things, you can have too many antioxidants and soils can be too wet, boggy, and hyper-reduced. But, but how do they do this? It's the protons, H plus from hydrolysis that they exchange on the root surface. And it's, it seems like it's evolved this way due to the behavior of fourth phase water, the gel-like phase that water has. Side note, water is amazing and its ability to continuously surprise scientists on a nearly monthly basis. They, for instance, are finding a new form of water in the deepest holes we can make in the earth and they're filled with life. As deep, as deep as we go, we are getting living waters. It's, it's really deep. <laughs> okay, okay, side note over. What is fourth phase water, essentially? It's water that has shifted its molecular configuration into a lattice work, a honeycomb structure, hexagon, 
um, structure of H3O2 that is polarized with negative charge on the surface side and positive charge outward, which helps plants conduct protons out and attract and exchange cations. In fact, fourth phase water's effect is also cation exchange capacity. The very tiny, small particles themselves provide incredible amounts of surface area for fourth phase water to form. The smaller the particle, the greater the field in general, the magnetic field. Colloidal or colloid ion engines are one of the latest rocket engines being used uh, you know, by SpaceX, and they function on this principle by resonating or electrifying a colloid or gel. Um, and when they do that, we can form these perfect little cones with points that go down to zero. And instead of making a singularity, it releases a jet of ions, which is the propulsion for the spacecraft. There is so much energy when we get down to this level. This is where all the atomic energy and bombs come from. But for us in our soils, we can hold more energy in there. When we have smaller sized particles with greater surface area and charge potential in the soil, this is why humic acid, clay, biochar, and rock dust are so effective. They also promote soil biology. It's all in the differentials, charges, and the ability to hold water. The more surface area, the more gel water, the more water is held in profile, so less drying out, less leaching of nutrients. This provides the best habitat for soil life. They can swim and move using those gel paths and charge differentials very quickly. Sandy soils have little to none of those smaller particles and molecules. Comparing sand to clay is like comparing a basketball to a dot made by a piece of chalk with, with silt the size of golf balls. Uh, you know, sand is just so huge, you can easily imagine how all the nutrients have been washed out over time through the gaps, especially because they can't hold anything. They have very low CEC. This is why sandy soils lack biology, diversity, lack nutrients, and lack organic matter. Okay, here's the good news though. We can fix our soils. We can bring them back and improve them in any environment and in all environments. I'm going to give you right now the punchline of my book, my new book, Regenerative Soil, which just keeps bouncing up all over the charts on soil science, on Amazon. I, I just keep keep having people order them on my website, thepermaculturestudent.com. People are very excited about this book. The reviews are absolutely incredible. Um, I, I can't tell you enough how, how important this book is, but I'm gonna give away the punchline, okay, right now. The final chapter is on soil coherence. And th there's a hierarchy to the soil, thankfully, which means there's an order to the steps or relationships in the soil. There's a place to start out and begin properly. This is also why it's been so hard for so many people. Where to start? This is where to start. Start by adding back the missing minerals and nutrients that have eroded away. These smaller minerals can be brought back via rock dust, magnetized biochar, and humic acids. This will raise the paramagnetism, which lowers soil EH, adding more energy to the soil. We need to raise the organic matter levels of our soil to buffer the pH-EH of our soils. It'll help us hug and stick to the ideal zone. Compost appears to the eye to be adding organic matter to our soils, but it usually can't match properly photosynthesizing plants in healthy soils. Not even close, usually. 
Raising organic matter levels will also help buffer the pH EH. Shift your pH EH with EM. Brown rice vinegar water down, humic acids, inoculants, mycorrhizal inoculants especially, compost teas, extracts, compost, IMOs, Korean natural farm preps, and, and there's even more um, in reality. So uh, de developing a fluency in all these things, developing a fluency in reading the soil, the plants, and in the land itself is the idea. That's the real key here. You know, some folks test, but more and more folks do not test the soil. Why? The plants and the products, the produce, the, 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 what you harvest at the end, it doesn't lie. So standard soil tests don't reflect what plants can actually uptake, nor what is actually there and all forms in the soil. So what if you could look at a given landscape, the soil and the plants, and then within a short period of time, know the likely range the tests will actually indicate? What if you could diagnose a problem and solve it in days or weeks instead of an entire season? What if you could get more nutrient-dense plants, higher yields, and in fewer growing days? What if your food really was your medicine for yourself and the world? What if it all started with the soil? Join us for a four-week introduction to regenerative soils with weekly live Q&A with me. Get to know the history, the how, the why, of regenerative soil, as well as the science, and most importantly, the actions. So no matter your scale, from farm to garden, you can start on the solutions this season. It's a four-week introduction with online videos, audio, and more to get you started on your journey into soil, the linchpin of life here on Earth. It's lifetime access to the materials, and you get your choice of ebook or physical hardcover textbook plus the ebook. And everyone who signs up is included in the weekly live Q&As so we can go further and delve into our individual sites and situations together. It's going to be amazing and I hope you can join us. Click the link below and sign up because we begin Monday. Time is running out. So join us. I'm Matt Powers. Grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively. Thank you for listening and see you Monday in the new course.